What is the curse of Lisp? In this episode, we are going to explore this counterintuitive property of powerful languages. My name is Eric Normand, and I help people thrive with functional programming. Uh, the curse of Lisp is it has a very personal um, uh, appeal to me uh, because I I used to be one of the people that uh, really thought about this all the time. Like the real question is if Lisp is so powerful, okay, if it's such a great language and it lets you do so much, why isn't it more popular? And it's not about the parentheses. People can get over the syntax. It's been a lot of time to get over the syntax and it hasn't, it's not really what it is. So we're going to explore that. Now, you used to hear this more uh, because there, it, in recent years, like the last 10 years, there's been a real renaissance of languages. There's so many possible languages to use now, mostly because of the web and the, the rise of like startups who, who can just use whatever language they want on the back end and um, there's just been a, a, a blooming a blossoming of different possible languages to choose from but back in the day it was not like that um, big companies standardized on like a mainframe and there were certain languages that ran on that and so they would standardize on a language and train their their employees in that language and that's what you had and so there were a lot of i'm talking about 50 years ago right and there were a lot of um lisp programmers who mostly at universities and things and in like graduate departments who learned lisp got into lisp uh felt very productive in lisp and looked around and said, look, you've got this hundred person team working in COBOL and they are producing very little software, you know, just very slow. And here I am with Lisp and I'm like inventing, you know, AI. <laughs> I'm like making stuff happen. Um, just all by myself, maybe I have another person working with me, but like two people doing a lot more work than this team of a hundred people. And so it seemed to them, okay, it's uh, this is a perception thing. And so the question they would always have is why isn't this more popular? If it's such a powerful language, why aren't businesses investing in it? Why aren't we seeing people realize that they can hire fewer people, like a lot fewer people, not just like one or 2%, but like maybe you, you slash your, your team by, by 80%, right? Um, why, why don't we see Lisp being more popular? And so over time you see, okay, so this, this language is starting to get this language like C, or C++, Java, starting to get a lot of attention, a lot of jobs around it. Meanwhile, Lisp is kind of this, 
not growing very much. And all this stuff that you could do in Lisp in a few lines of code is now you realize taking uh, man years, person years of work. Sorry, I said man years. I didn't mean to use the sexist version. Person years of work and uh, to make a library to do the same thing. So for instance, parsing in a Lisp or any kind of functional language, a recursive descent parser is very easy to write. But now you need some kind of parser generator system like a, like a Lex and a Yak or an Antler in Java. You just need these huge systems, this huge piece of software just to do the same thing that a Lisper was able to do. And what happens is the, because this, the, this is my version of the curse of Lisp, okay? What happens is because it is hard in Java to do a, a nice parser, people recognize that it's hard. They work together because the challenge is so great, they need 100 people to come together and work on it and make it very good and powerful okay and it creates even like a cottage industry now you need books written about it you have uh, maybe some conference talks about how to use this new parser generator in Java uh, it, it becomes like a new thing that you can become an expert at because it's not just like you know how to make parsers no you have to know that tool Right, so it's even less general, less general knowledge, but still, it's very powerful because all this work has been put into it. So the question is, why is it that, why is it that the industry seems to prefer this giant effort to make a thing because of a less powerful language, and so it takes more effort to do. Why does it prefer that over the more powerful general solution? And I should pause here because it's not about Lisp. I said at the beginning it's about powerful languages in general. And any, any sufficiently powerful expressive language, like you get with a functional language using you know higher order functions and stuff, um, I think this is going to happen too. Okay, I, I believe that there's something about the fact that it's so expressive and so powerful that there's, I mean, there's, okay, here's the curse. The curse is it breeds individualism. So because you can be so powerful alone, you work longer alone. You never learn to collaborate as much as you would if you had to work uh in a language that did require a team of 20 people to get anything done okay so there's there's that issue so it breeds individualism um because it's so here's another thing because it's so easy to write the solution it's easy to write your own parser in lisp i'm just gonna say it like that it's very easy so you write the parser that's just for your little language that you need to parse and so that's kind of like a 60% solution to 
parsing in general. Whereas if you go to antler, it is a 100% solution to parsing. Okay, it's, it's got a really tough API to use. Uh, you have to learn the grammar language that it's got. I mean, you really have to understand it well. But then, boom, it's 100%. You can do whatever you need to do. And that knowledge is transferable. I can go to another project, bring this library with me. Whereas in Lisp, you just have every individual could write this parser. Everyone thinks, oh, my, I, I, it's, it's not quite like what they did. So I'm going to do it myself a little bit differently. I'm going to solve my 60%. And uh, so there's hundreds of parser libraries out there. Right, so this is this is part of the curse is that it's so easy to write a new one, you don't think, oh, I better jump on the bandwagon of the one big one. <sighs> okay, so another aspect of the curse, I think. Uh, okay, let me just tell you the curse, and then I'll I'll give my opinions on it. Another, this is another aspect of it, is that we're obsessed with bootstrapping. We love the power that a small amount of code that, that has a lot of leverage to give us, like get us to the next level of expressivity. We love that, right? But then we don't take it to, we don't take it to its final point. What do I mean by that? So here's, here's an example from the closure world. Um, there, Recently, there was a lot of buzz about a a system for having examples in comments, runnable examples. So you put the examples in your in your like doc strings in your code, and then when you run this tool on it, it'll generate an HTML page where those examples are runnable. Totally awesome, right? Like you can actually run in the browser where you're reading your documentation, you know, run that code. That's awesome. Someone bootstrapped this cool system. And it's, it's something that, you know, used the power of Lisp and the fact that, that we've got um, in-browser compilers and stuff like that. It used all of that stuff to make this cool system. And... I mean, I haven't checked recently, but I don't hear anyone talking about it. And I don't see like a lot of examples popping up of like, oh, look what I did in this tool. Look what I did. And I think the reason is we're so obsessed with that first initial, look at all the power I have. We don't go the extra mile and say, okay, now let's all get together. Let's divvy up this task and let's write a thousand doc strings with examples we don't do the lazy i mean not the lazy the boring manual labor work that's required another language community who's not so obsessed with the bootstrapping they probably could do the same thing in way more code okay way more code but when they do it it's so much work they're not going to stop because that was a lot of work and they will only do it because they know they have, 
it took so much work. They're not going to do it unless they know they have the, the resolve and the, the labor to write up all of those examples. So this is another aspect of the curse. So let's go, let's go through them again. So one is the individualism. We don't have to work together. It's, it, the language is so powerful that we, as, as an individual or a tiny you know, team, two or three people, can, can build a solution for their problem so they never have to work with a big group to get things done. Um, two uh, is the, um, it's, it's so easy to just solve your problem. You don't get a complete solution. And so then you have, everyone has their own little solutions that work for their problem. Okay. But then they're incompatible with all the others. Okay. And so in closure world, you see this with like the proliferation of routing libraries. Everyone's like, oh, I need it a little bit different from this. So I'm going to, whereas in another language, they might have two or three because uh, it's kind of, it's a harder problem and they want to standardize on it. Uh, and then the third one is this obsession with the first initial bootstrapping, right? So you like put this idea out as a high leverage piece of code and just expect it to blossom. But that's only the initial seed. You still need all the work of getting, uh, getting people to actually do the hard work of it, right? The computer can't do all of it. The computer can do that cool first part, but then the rest of it has to be done by people. And, um, I, I just, I see it so much. Um, so this is, this is the curse of Lisp that it, there, there's another cynical side to it. I want I have to put this out that companies, this is the very cynical side and, but it's, it's got a grain of truth in it. Companies would rather have uh, a lot of replaceable, interchangeable programmers than one or two powerful programmers. They want someone to be able to, for instance, be fired or change jobs or, um, you know, go on maternity leave or what have you and not, and just be like, oh, that's just 1% of our team gone. Right. If you only have two programmers and one of them goes on, on leave, you know, that's half your team. That's half your productivity. And so they'd rather have this big mass of people working on a less expressive language than put all their eggs in, you know, two baskets and have this trouble. So that's, that's kind of like an economic argument for why Lisp isn't more popular in business. <sighs> all right. So the curse of Lisp is something that I've thought a lot about. It's something that, you know, I was really into Lisp for a while and, um, I, I always wondered why it wasn't uh, more popular 
because I felt way more powerful. And it's not even about like Lisp is absolutely more powerful than other languages because there's always new languages and they have cool powers, right? So I'm not saying that, but going from, you know, a language like, so I, I learned Java and then going from Java in university, going from Java to common Lisp was like, there's no, there's no, uh, comparison, uh, between solving problems in common Lisp and having to write all this public class just to get anything done. Right. I mean, it's, it's very, uh, it's very easy to compare, you know, the two languages and say, yes, common Lisp has a lot of power in it. Um, so I want to make that clear. I'm not saying Lisp is like the best language. I'm not saying Lisp is more powerful uh, for everything. Um, But I I do think that that when you go from a language to a more powerful language, you often wonder why is that language that I left so much more powerful, uh, so much more popular than this one. When Lisp has is one of the oldest languages, like why did it? Why isn't it taking off? And I think that a lot of that, um, a lot of it has to do with the power. It's too powerful. So what is the antidote? So in closure, uh, people would often talk about closure escaping the curse of Lisp because it's able to use the JVM libraries. And I think in a lot of ways that's true. Uh, it has, um, escaped the curse of Lisp, like empirically it is really popular compared to, uh, Lisp of 20 years ago. Um, so it has kind of escaped a lot of that problem, but we still see the same kinds of problems, a lack of coordination, uh, a, I would, what I would call uh, very, earnest efforts to get a project going and uh, not a lot of uptake on it. Uh, A lot of like, oh, I could do better. I could do that in a couple macros Um, and a lot, not a lot of follow through from the original person making it. And I, 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 I see the same problems there. Luckily, we do have the Java libraries and a lot of people willing to wrap those Java libraries in things that make it really easy for us to use in Clojure. So we're escaping part of it, but we still have the legacy of the curse. Okay, so we, we, I think we could figure out a way to solve this. Um, another example, so just to say it's not about, it's not, strictly about, um, about Lisp. Uh, what, so here, I'll I'll just, I'll just explain it like this. So I used WordPress like a long time ago before uh, Rails came out and the interface was pretty clunky. Then when Rails came out, everyone started expecting a lot more from web, uh, interfaces from, 
you know, the GUI that, that users click around on the web. You know, they wanted like dynamic stuff to happen. They wanted little menus that were easier to use with your mouse. Um, they wanted like loading spinners and WordPress didn't have a good way to do that. Rails did, it kind of did a lot of that for you automatically. But by and by, WordPress had a lot of people using it and a lot of developer power and they built it like one little widget at a time, um, making it very, very much like a default Rails app would be. And it was through sheer willpower, right? And so you could ask, well, Rails is, and Ruby are so much better at making this kind of thing than WordPress. Why do people still use WordPress? It's the same question, right? And, and WordPress is insanely popular. It's insane. Why? Why do they still use it? This is, it's, it's a very similar question. You got a more powerful language, Ruby. You've got even a more powerful framework, Rails, a better framework, a more modern framework, one that does the stuff you need it to do very elegantly versus WordPress where you have to kind of do it all manually. And yet there's some company selling a plugin to do what you could do in a few lines of code in Ruby. And of course that plugin is like thousands of lines of code. So what is it? Why is this? It's there everywhere. Um, luckily the Ruby and Rails community have a lot more follow through than um, they're not so, uh, let's see, cursed as, as the Lispers are. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with the popularity. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's all I'll say about this. Curse of Lisp. Uh, I don't think we've escaped it. There's, um, a, there's a lot more that needs to be done. Um, I mean, I'm talking about the closure community right now. Uh, we, we need to put in the boring work. I think that that's, uh, one of the, the key issues we need. We need to have more collective action. We need to form more like projects that people say, I'm not going to, uh, make my own solution. I'm going to use this one. We just need that. And I think that that would, that would go a long way toward helping us. Um, another thing that kind of saves the closure community is we are very practical. Uh, and so we don't, uh, we, I, I guess our libraries don't do more than they need to, which is a good thing. Uh, we, um, we don't build in functionality, bite off more than we can chew and paint ourselves into corners. We want the power of the library, uh, that we're wrapping or whatever we're doing, um, without without a lot of assumptions about how it's supposed to be done or, or what it wants to do. Okay. This episode is going kind of long, so I'm going to wrap it up now. Uh, 
If you like this episode, you can find past episodes at lispcast.com slash podcast. There you're going to find audio, video, and text transcripts of all the past episodes. This one is number 141, I think. It's a lot of episodes. So you can go find everything back there. You'll also find uh, links to subscribe and to get in touch with me on social media. Uh, If you're interested in the curse of Lisp or why some language isn't as popular as some other language. Uh, I, I, I still want to think about this and figure it out. Um, I don't think there's any kind of magic sauce. I think a lot of it is, is, uh, the, the, you know, market forces, if you will. Um, but still, I think that there's, there's a, a lot of room for, uh, lisps to, to succeed. And so I think about it a lot. All right. Um, Thank you so much for watching. My name is Eric Normand, and uh, this has been my thought on functional programming. Thank you for listening, and rock on.